All right, we're back here for Peter's Proffer. It's a little different today since we're in our mobile podcasting studio over in Orlando. We are at a uh, plaintiff's personal injury lawyer conference. I'm here with Pete Sardis. We have set up our podcast equipment in our suite. We have a little living room. So it's perfect for our podcast setup. And we are going to record a bunch of podcasts this week while we're here at the conference. And we'll release them kind of on our weekly plan like we've been doing. Um, And the first one we're going to do today, which is a topic that's been hit on at the conference and something we'll continue to talk about. But the reason we're really talking about it today is because one of our listeners emailed in asking about this specifically after listening to a couple of our other podcasts. And that topic is attorney's fees. Um, The reason he emailed in is he's a uh, small business owner. He owns a restaurant and he's asked me in the past about, you know, what do I do if there's a slip and fall on my property? I've helped him out with their HR manual, things like that. And also when an employee sues them for a wage and overtime claim, whether it's legitimate or not, how do you deal with it? How are the attorney's fees calculated? And so on and so forth. So we're going to jump in and first hit on uh, the attorney's fees and how it comes to be that the other party pays for the attorney's fees of the prevailing party. Meaning, in the United States, the the most common way attorney's fees are paid for is each party bears their own attorney's fees. Meaning, if you hire a lawyer, you pay them. If the other side hires a lawyer, they pay their lawyer. Um, but there are certain situations where one side pays for both lawyers. The first and most common way that you can have attorney's fees and costs be paid by the other party is if the law in which you are basing your cause of action on specifically allows for that. And we call those statutory attorney's fees. Statutory attorney's fees are nothing more than the statute says that A, the prevailing party gets the uh, their attorney's fees paid, or it says a particular party, regardless of winning or losing, gets their attorney's fees paid. And some of the cases where that applies in is what triggered this question, which is the wage and overtime claims have in the statutes, meaning in the laws, saying that if the employee wins, they get their attorney's fees and costs paid for. So it's it's something to help each party out if they win, knowing they can't afford the attorney's fees and costs. Sometimes they're statutorily provided to them. Another one is ADA claims, and, and those are the ones that we deal with mostly are the, the employment law claims that do have these statutory awards with them. But there are other cases that do have uh, statutory attorney's fees built in. The other ways that one party pays for both sides' attorney's fees can be triggered by actions done by one of the parties. So Pete, why don't you tell about what the actions we can take to make the other side pay for our attorney's fees and costs? There is a rule and a statute in Florida that allows for something called a proposal for settlement. And what that is, um, the proposal for settlement allows a party to file a formal offer to settle a case to the opposition. If the opponent does not accept that proposal for settlement within 30 days, what happens is you go to trial. And if you prevail 25% higher than your proposal for settlement, if you're a plaintiff, or your verdict is 25% below what the proposal settlement is for a defendant, you then not only get whatever the verdict is, but you get to recover your attorney's fees and costs of litigation on top of that verdict. 
So in layman's terms, or to simplify it, if you make an offer to settle a case for a certain amount of money and the other side rejects it, and then you do better than whatever your offer was at trial, you can then ask the court to also give you attorney's fees and costs because this case should have settled way back then when you were being reasonable. And because the other side was so unreasonable to reject that offer and you went and blew it out of the water at trial, they should now have to pay your attorney's fees and costs. So that kind of guides us into our next section, which, um, so what attorney's fees and costs is each side paying for? So there's a number of different ways that attorneys charge on cases. Um, the most common three ways are a contingency fee agreement, a flat fee, and then an hourly rate. Okay. So we're going to hit on all three of those topics. And the first one, which is the most common for us in car accident cases or slip and fall cases is, uh, contingency fee agreements. So Pete, why don't you tell about what contingency fee agreements are? You all know what this is. You've seen the commercials, no fee unless we win. And that's what a contingency fee is. It basically says that a fee is contingent, in quotes, on the attorney prevailing in your case. So what normally happens in the state of Florida, we actually have rules set forth by the uh, the Florida Bar that are required to be followed. There's a specific form. Uh, there are notices that have to be given to, uh, to clients. It has that, to be in writing. Yeah, it has to be in writing. Uh, anyway, it, it, there's a couple of things, not to, to, to belabor, uh, labor the point, but if you engage in a fee agreement like this with a lawyer, you don't owe them anything unless they win. Now, when they win, the Florida uh, rules basically say it's somewhere between 33 and 40%. Now, there are some other potentials for contingency fees. There are some 25% fees. And in fact, there are some fees greater than 40% in some circumstances. We call it quantum merit. Doesn't really, uh, we don't need to talk about it right now, but just understand you are engaging in an agreement to give a portion of whatever your winnings are to your attorney. So, and actually it can go as low as 10% sometimes in workers' compensation fees. Sometimes are only 10%. And again, it can go all the way up to, or even more than 40%. Um, the second way that a person gets paid is a flat fee agreement. That just means you come and you sit down at a lawyer's office. This is my dad's favorite way of doing it. And a lot of criminal defense lawyers do it, but you come down, you sit in the office and they tell you a number that's the number to pay for the entire case. You stroke a check for that in the beginning, and now you've got that lawyer until the case is over. The last one is is an hourly rate. So you sign up with a lawyer. They tell you what your hourly rate is. They bill as they work on the case, and they send you a bill monthly. I work 10 hours on this case at $400 an hour, so you owe $4,000 for that month, for example. So the the next kind of segue is, Well, how do lawyers come up with how much they charge on a flat rate and on an hourly rate? On the contingency fee, all lawyers charge basically the same percentages, but the other fees actually have to be calculated and come up with and agreed upon between the attorney and the client. The average attorney is going to calculate their hourly rate or their flat fees based on what the prevailing market conditions are in the area where they practice. Uh, how complex the work they're doing is, and frankly, how much experience that lawyer has in the market that they're dealing with. So for example, if you are a brand new lawyer, you're not going to charge as much as somebody that's been doing it for 30 years. If you are doing complex litigation, you're going to charge more than the guy putting together a simple will. Exactly. So it really, the answer that probably nobody likes is it really depends, but you shouldn't 
be paying somebody that has no experience the same amount that somebody with a lot of experience is, is going to charge unless you go and you look into those people's backgrounds and they have very different backgrounds. Just because a lawyer's been doing something for 30 years doesn't necessarily mean he's good at it or deserves a higher rate than somebody that's maybe been doing it for 10 years. Um, there are other things that are taken into consideration, whether or not these people are board certified, whether or not they you know, chair committees, whether or not they are president of organizations that deal with the exact type of law that you're trying to hire them for, then they may show that they have, even though they have less years of experience, they have better experience than some other lawyers. A lot of times what you're really paying for is that lawyer's clout and that lawyer's reputation. And sometimes that takes you further than just the black and white of the law. Yeah, and I mean, their reputation go a long way because especially the reputation with the judges and with the lawyers they're going to be working against. If you have a lawyer that's got a slimy reputation that nobody believes, then they're not likely to make you a good offer or treat your case seriously. Unlike if you have a lawyer that has a great reputation, then the opponents are going to treat it seriously and are going to take you and your case seriously because your lawyer is a reflection of you. So when you go in and you meet with a lawyer and you and he asks you to pay a certain amount in attorney's fees, look at that lawyer and say, is this somebody I want to represent me and reflect me and what I want my case to look like? And the last section we're going to kind of talk about is contractual attorney's fees. There are circumstances where the attorney's fees are set forth in a contract or some writing between parties. And those contract terms normally say something like, Attorney's fees will be paid by each party respectively. Or it'll say, attorney's fees will be paid by the you know, losing party. Uh, you can pretty much put whatever you want in contract uh, as long as you are not contracting away somebody's uh, rights that are either constitutional, consciously protected, or protected by some specific area of law. For example, some employers try to contract away attorney's fees and costs if that uh, employee sues them for a wage or overtime claim. You can't do that because that's a federally protected right. We are still going to go get those attorney's fees even if the employee signed a, a, an employment contract that said, even if I'm successful in a wage and overtime claim, I won't come after you for attorney's fees. So you can't contract certain things like that away. Yeah, we call those public policy arguments. In other words, you can't enforce a uh, attorney's fees provision that is a contrary to public policy. And just to put a bow on it, because we're finishing up now, just to kind of put it all together in an example, let's say you come in, you hire an attorney for a car accident case, you agree to pay them 33 and a third percent, um, and then it goes up to 40%. When they file the lawsuit, you file a proposal for settlement for $10,000, you go to trial and you win $15,000, so the attorney's fees and costs throughout the case are 5000 bucks, right? Well, no. At that point, because you have busted the proposal for settlement, now your lawyer gets to go back and prove all the work that he's done on the case and then ask the court to award his attorney's fees on the amount of work that he's done based on his hourly rate. And that is the last kind of way that your attorney's fees can be determined. And that is by a court's order or ruling. So in our wage cases sometimes and in proposal for settlement cases, you argue to the court based on your experience, you argue to the court based on the complexity of the work, and you argue to the court what your attorney's fees should be or what your hourly rate should be, and the court will even put that in some orders. So we've had cases where if somebody argues with our rate, we have a court order that says, 
I am ordering you to pay X amount of dollars per hour for Peter Tragos's work. So that goes a long way when you have a piece of paper with a judge saying, this is what he's worth. So if you're going to argue that, we can put that in front of whatever judge is deciding this case. So that can really go a long way. Um, and that was kind of a long-winded way to just explain how attorney's fees work generally and hopefully answering your questions on how lawyers come up with the fees that they uh, give to you. And just so you know, there is one key rule that the Florida Bar preaches to all lawyers, and that is reasonable attorney's fees. All the fees have to be is reasonable. Reasonable for the work, reasonable for the attorney. So there's no cap on fees, there's no minimum, there's no maximum. It just has to be reasonable for the work that they're doing. As always, we appreciate the listener questions. We're glad we were able to get to another one today. Hit us up on social media at Tragos Law or send us an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com, and we'll be with you guys next time.